Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, lead pastor of Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith so you experience the goodness of God and the greatness of your unique voice in His kingdom. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at overflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional on amazon.com. All right. Thank you, Pastor Josh. So I've got a confession for you. I wasn't supposed to be here. This wasn't the plan. You see, God has this way of using apostolic fathers and apostolic mothers to see the things that we can't see for ourselves, to see what the rest of us can't yet, and to come into agreement with him so that we can experience a destiny that's far beyond anything we could have asked or imagined. Now, I first arrived on this property here the Sunday directly following the September 11th, 2001 attacks on our country. That was my first Sunday here. And I had come as a part of my senior year of Bible college, and it was an internship and an opportunity to work with my youth pastor when I was a student, Pastor Chris Thomas. And I came into this place, and at this time it was known as South Brandon Worship Center, and the lead pastor was Pastor Lynn Harper. And so with Pastor Lynn and Pastor Chris, the plan was that I was going to come over for nine months with my fiance, Jill Bradley. And during that time... We were going to have a time of mutual blessing, that we would help strengthen the church and the youth ministry, that I would get the needed experience needed, and then South Brandon Worship Center would bless and send us off, because I need you to understand, we had a plan, and the plan was that we were going to graduate college, and the next weekend we were going to get married, and the next weekend we were going to move away to South Carolina, where Jill was going to get her master's degree in education, and as soon as that was done, the U-Haul would be packed. And we were going to head to Kentucky, where we had already toured the seminary of my dreams. I had gone to the preview week. It was all but done. They were just waiting for the ink to dry on the contract to say, this is home. That was the plan. (laughs) It's good to go to seminary for three years, straight through, and be a youth pastor in a small Baptist country church in Kentucky. Maybe even get a cowboy hat at some point. But here's what happened. We got to the end of the nine months. We ended our internship. We were celebrated right here on this platform. The next week, we graduated college. The next week, we got married. The next week, we were in a U-Haul headed to South Carolina. And I got to tell you, my wife rocked it in South Carolina getting a master's degree in 14 months, y'all. She knocked it out. But we never ended up in Kentucky. And there are a few reasons with that. And one is that God sent somebody into my life to mess up the plan. See, Pastor Lynn Harper had become a lot more than just a lead pastor overseeing an internship. In the nine months that we were here, he poured into me and he poured into my bride-to-be, meeting with us often, pouring in restoration ministry for the first time. Things like a, a, a worship, a calling for worship and singing, which I had laid down. He saw and spoke it back out. He started seeing things in us. And, and there's nothing short of saying in those nine months, he became to Jill and I a spiritual father. It had gone so much in that short nine-month period that we said there's nobody else that we would rather 
bring us together as husband and wife and officiate our wedding than you, Pastor Lynn. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Take a look at this picture. Who are those kids? There's a second reason I never ended up in Kentucky. And here's how it happened. About a week before my internship was supposed to be done, Pastor Len called me into his office. And he said, listen, I hate to do this. And I've wrestled with doing this. And it's been difficult to do this because I know you have a plan. And it seems the plan is really secure and really strong and you're really confident in it. But there's something that just won't escape me. And he proceeded to tell me that in about the same length of time that we were planning to go away to South Carolina, he believed God was growing the church, and they were ready to offer this brand new program of a discipleship pastor coming to help people deepen the roots of their faith, to, to know what it is that they read in the Bible, to understand doctrine, to get a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. And he said, I know you have a plan, but I'm telling you as I'm praying over and over and over and over again, God saying that it's you. And I got to tell you in that minute, I haven't even gotten out of Bible college yet. I'm already being prospected, y'all, right? I'm being asked to come, and he's like, look, this is it, the only candidate. And before I can feel too good about myself, he says this. He says, and I know it's got to be God, because you're 21 years old. What do you know about discipling anything? <laughs> Fair point, Pastor. He proceeded to tell me that I would be the only candidate for this position. It would not be announced to the church. Only me him, Chris, and the elders would know. And he said, take as long as you want to pray. Because if, if God is confirming, he said, but he needs to confirm it to you. And if God's confirming it, then he will. And I got to tell you, when we moved away to South Carolina, it was nine months and a million questions later where Jill and I said, we believe that we're going to accept an alteration to the plan. And we came back and started in 2003 as discipleship and youth pastor of our church. And we had a new plan, y'all. But apostolic fathers have a way of messing up your plans. See, the new plan was I was going to come for five years, and I was going to go to my second choice seminary. They had an extension here in Tampa, and I was going to breeze right through it once again, three-year degree, get it done. I'd been in school all of my life, and I was ready for it to be over. And so that was the plan. I was going to go there. For about two and a half years, that's the way that it worked. And then I found myself at Panama City Beach co-leading this big youth camp with two groups together, us and another church in the region, and Pastor Lynn was there with me. And for those of you who have only had the opportunity to know Pastor Lynn the last few years, oh man, there's so much you're missing out on. See, Pastor Lynn has always been kind and compassionate and loving. But this was an era where the only word that I could use to describe Pastor Lynn all the time was intense. <laughs> and the way I typically felt was intimidated. I can remember at this camp, Pastor Lynn ended up at an outdoor volleyball game with me, a beach volleyball game, and he was on the opposite side. And I looked when all of a sudden, Pastor Lynn has a gaze that would make Superman's laser vision blush, right? He gets a gaze and he locks in and he goes. And you have this moment where you're like, oh my goodness, my pastor is about to try to decapitate me with this volleyball. Which is precisely what he proceeded to do. He wants to win at everything. We would sit in staff meetings, and I would come in and start to share. So I think what we're going to do for discipleship is we, we want to do a Bible reading plan. And the whole time, this is Pastor Lynn. And you're like, and we want to talk about baptism. And the whole time, we're like, what is he thinking? 
So I'm at this summer camp, and I've just finished preaching, y'all, the most important message of my life. I preached from John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you'd have life and have it to its fullest. And I was preaching the cry of my heart. And immediately afterwards, before I could even celebrate the fruit that is coming, Pastor Lynn makes a beeline to me, right to me with that intense look, and he says, we need to meet right now. <laughs> and nothing more. And here's the deal. He had such a great face. I'm like, I don't know if this is happy meat, sad meat, but then we walk all the way across the campgrounds together, just the two of us. Kids are playing. My life is flashing before my eyes. I'm starting to go in my head and go, what did I say? What heresy have I committed? What happened? We get into the cabin where all the boys stayed. And I'm not kidding. Pastor Len starts to walk and checks every room to make sure that nobody's here. I was like, no witnesses. This is bad. (laughs) As soon as he makes sure that the cabin's all clear, he walks to me. Stoic, deliberate, pregnant pauses that last what feels like an eternity. And he says, Pastor Chuck, that message that you just preached in that worship center (laughs) here in Panama City Beach, that message was my heart. Oh, good Lord, could you start there? I don't know. How about make a beeline to me and be like, Pastor Chuck, that message was awesome and I've got good news. Can we go talk for a minute? But no, that's not the way that it went with my intense spiritual father. And he says this to me. He says, I believe God's saying that we need to alter the plan. I believe I've heard clearly that God wants me, you and Pastor Chris, we were the staff at that time, to build a three-chord strand. We need to rip up that five-year commitment because we need to go deep with some roots. And I want to ask you right here without anybody else in the room, does that rest in your spirit? And once, I was like, you know, I need to go change it into a new pair of pants. But other than that, <laughs> yes, it resonates deeply. So I had a plan. Now I'm going to rush my way through seminary, but apostolic fathers have a way of messing with your plan. I'm going to seminary, and guys, it's getting hard. I'm tired. I'm getting weary, and I'm starting to get offended with my professors because they held a different doctrine than I did. They didn't believe that miracles existed today, and I knew that God had called me here, but I'm just getting mad in every class that I go to. And I go to Pastor Lynn, like just ranting one day, and as a spiritual father, this is what he said. He said, Pastor Chuck, this is what's really important right now. We need to alter the plan. I don't want you to go to seminary just to get a stamp on a piece of paper and something to hang on your wall. He said, in fact, let me go further. If you think that you need to go to seminary because that was part of your agreement to come here, I'm your lead pastor. I will go before the elders. We relinquish you from that responsibility right now. You don't ever need to go to another day of school again. I thought, hallelujah. He said, just one thing. When I went to seminary, it was the way, it was the gateway that God showed me how to love him and know him with all my heart. Would you just ask him if that's what he has for you as well? And if he does, would you stay the course no matter how long it takes, no matter how hard it gets? And I said, I'll pray that. And so for the next seven years, I worked full-time as I put myself through seminary. I got to tell you, those seven years that had it not been for an apostolic father saying, pray, test it, see the course, hear the father, don't give up. Those were the years that formed me. Those were the years that I first realized I was a communicator. Without it, I can't imagine that I ever would have written anything or be in a role where I'm remotely preaching as the first thing that I'm going to do. Apostolic father spoke. 
And so I went all the way through seminary, 2010, graduate seminary, and I'm like, finally! This journey that started in 2001, I'm nine years later, but I'm going to finish seminary. And the plan is this, y'all. We're a church. I'm a discipleship youth pastor. I'm going to be a youth pastor for the rest of my life because I love Christ and middle school and high school students, the hope of glory. That has not waned or faded. That's only got stronger. But I said, that's the course. But God has a way of using apostolic fathers to mess with the plan. I get home from my graduation of seminary, and I'm not even kidding you, this is the day I get back, my first moment in the office, and there's an article waiting on the desk from my spiritual father. And it's about this movement that is starting to take place in cities and YMCAs with pastors that are realizing that they're called not just to their church, but called to revival in the city. And they poured into these YMCAs, and they planted churches in these Ys. And I can't explain it any other way than I'm reading this, and it's like a lightning bolt went through me. Now, as luck would have it, Pastor Lynn was on vacation. So Jill and I were left with two weeks of just praying and once again somebody messing with my plan. He gets back, and I say, Pastor Lynn, it's me. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it means. But I've prayed, and I've sought. And Jill and I were burning for this. Here I am. Send me. My spiritual father went before the elders. He said, we're going to entirely rewrite your job description. Now, yes, you're our discipleship and our youth pastor, but I want 25% of your job, a full fourth of your job, we're sending you as a missionary into the YMCA. We're paying it. You're a paid missionary there. Go build relationships in our city and see how to, to work our church to actually walk in our city. So I started. I co-led a teen leaders club. I scanned a million members' cards. I was asked to serve on the board of directors. And then through some time, I was shocked as I was with these business people that had more years of experience than years I'd been alive as doctors and lawyers and just very influential people in our city. And the day came where they said, we want you to be the chairman of the board. And so I got to serve as chairman of the board. I was shocked when I found myself at an award ceremony to find that I'd gotten volunteer of the year for our branch. And I found myself at national Y conventions and with the key leaders of our city coming up with strategies for how we bring it. And every door, I'm seeing the gospel come. We got to the place where we were ready to plant a church there. I got to help lay the groundwork with Pastor Glenn right there in my corner, helping me figure out how to do it from the very beginning. We got dear friends of ours that we sent to launch, and we started walking this missional movement, and for three and a half years, it was glory. And Pastor Lynn was there at the beginning speaking it, and he was there at the end when it felt like it all fell apart. When it was time to close the doors on the mission and come back home, when I had my tail between my legs and I feel like I completely failed, and I wondered if I had heard God right and if I'd ever hear him again. My spiritual father told me a story, told me how God moves. And then he said, listen, we're going to, you just hold on and you keep going. And I promise you, one day he's going to move again. So it was a few years later, I was in a hotel room in Naples, Florida. Many of you have heard this story. And God radically changed my life and showed me there were no ladders to climb. There were no staircases to reach the top of. I was already completely adored by him. I came back and suddenly all of these years of all these things people had spoken start pouring out of me. And it's pouring out in words and it's pouring out in what feels like it's going to be a book. And it's a pretty crazy thing to show up as the guy that your English teacher in high school would have a heart attack if she heard you ever tried to write and give anything to anyone. Says, I want to write a book. But my spiritual father saw just a little bit of it. And he said, no, this isn't just a book. This is an anthem for where we're to go as a church. And the church needs to fully fund it. And he got behind it, launched me as an author went to the place where I started writing songs again. And he said, you need to write and sing songs. We're going to rewrite your job description now. What I want you to do is to launch. And I launched with Pastor Chris and Pastor Ruth and some dear friends a service that we simply called The Overflow. It's part of South Brandon Worship Center. 
We had this service that was breathing and moving and hearing from God and talking about the fullness of life of all we can have and all of its diversity. And he showed up at the service and he said, that, that's what we're to become. And I don't know what it means. And it was a few months later when I went to his office just once again to say, just tell me my lane. I'm ready to just settle in. And he said these words. He said, God has spoken clearly and he's told me it's time for you to increase and I have to decrease. And my spiritual father, standing as the lead pastor of the most respected church that had a time in this city where it was doing amazing, South Brandon Worship Center was respected by everybody who knew it. He said, it's time. And this was a period of months, us as elders. He said, I'm going to vacate my position as lead pastor. I haven't sinned. I haven't messed up. I haven't lost the father's favor. I feel more on fire for him than ever before. But I feel simultaneously two things are happening. There's something happening in the city that I don't even know what it is that I've got to be present to be at. And you have got to run, my son. And he vacated his position. Who does that? Four and a half years ago, we rebirthed a church, overflow church, completely new vision and values and strategy and direction. And at every moment, my, my spiritual father has stood there. He stood there with me through two studio albums that we've been able to release, through seven books that I've had the joy of writing, through watching pastors come on, through the heartbreaks, through the difficult times. And I want to tell you, largely, I am who I am today because God sent an apostolic father in my life. And I want to tell you, Overflow Church, if you come here and you say this feels like life, largely we are who we are because the roots that were laid, humanly speaking, were laid through a spiritual father for years and years and years, contending and praying and loving and standing. So why do I tell you all of that? Because we're in the middle of this series talking about the diversity of what the church is called to be. And the church can never be the church unless we walk in the full diversity. And so over these weeks, we've been talking about how there are these distinct graces. In fact, five of them in Ephesians chapter 4. These five graces that come in our life. They're these tangible manifestations of the power and love of God. And they're all in us. Somebody say, in us. Yeah. They're in us because the Holy Spirit is in us. But some of them are really strong in our life. They look like Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's our lens. And some of them are weaker, and it looks like... In my weakness where Christ is strong, but for all of them, he called us to be a church together to bring these graces so that all of us would end up at the destiny he has for us. We've been looking at this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, and it says this. It says, and God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And we started talking about these graces and we said as a broad brush stroke, what we're going to be unpacking over these weeks is this, that apostolic grace matures you in health, that prophetic grace roots you in holiness, that evangelistic grace anchors you in hope, that shepherding grace gives you a home, and that teaching grace stirs you with hunger. And we said what we're going to do is we're going to take each of these five graces which are in us, but they need to be pouring through us as a church to mature one another because that's the way transformation comes to our city. We're going to take all five graces. We're going to give them all the same five questions so that we would unlock them. If you remember last week, we started with prophetic grace. We started with the grace in our life that's all about living to hear God, to sit like Mary at his feet and hear everything he says, and then to declare it so that people don't lean on their own understanding. We said that it's the grace that's all about intimacy 
and dependency. How many of you were here last week? So you, you checked out this moment where at the end of our service, we saw this altar full with people saying, okay, I believe that's the lens through which I see the world, and I'm ready to be activated on a different level. That's big, right? So this morning, I want to step into the second grace, and it's the one I've been telling you about with my spiritual father. It's apostolic grace. I want to ask five questions this morning. The first question I want to ask is this. What is apostolic grace, and why do we need it? Why do we need apostolic grace? What are its defining marks? And this is what I want you to know, that apostolic grace matures you in health so that you are built up and sent out to your fullest destiny. Now, this word apostle or apostolic, we get really confused about it. I want you to understand, in fact, we get so confused that some people are like, don't use it today. Here's the problem, y'all, the Bible. The word apostle or apostolic shows up 81 times in the New Testament. By the way, the word pastor shows up once or twice. Just saying. 81 times in the New Testament. Once it's used as Jesus, who is the apostle of our souls. The other 80 times it's talking about a leader within the church so that we reach the vision of the kingdom of God. It was used for the 12 apostles who followed Jesus. But did you know in the New Testament, it's used for at least 12 others. Men and women from all different standings who had a call to build up the church. The word apostello, the word that comes from, literally means to send someone to the place they've been appointed. So in the Bible, when you look at this picture of apostolic grace, when you look at apostles and apostolic leaders come on the scene, there's a few reasons they do. The first reason they come on the scene is to protect the order and health of the body. Every time in the book of Acts that there was a question, this weird thing is happening. Is it God? They sent the apostles to go check it out and to confirm. Why? So that we would stay on the track and we would walk in health and not end up crashing as a church. The apostolic is also about building up churches and people and ministry. It's at every point where you hear Paul as an apostle writing and saying, I want to build you up and I want to send you to the fullness of your calling. And then finally, Apostolic grace is not apostolic grace until somebody is being sent into a destiny they could not have dreamed or imagined. I told you at the beginning how time after time after time God used Pastor Lynn in my life to realter a course that I didn't even know was possible. That's what apostolic grace does. So what's this apostolic anointing? I want to define this real well. The apostolic anointing is this. Now remember, if the Holy Spirit is in you, is this in you? So is what I'm about to say, does it apply to you or just your friend next to you? It applies to you. Say it applies to me. Okay. The apostolic anointing is this. It's to bring people and places into health and maturity so they experience vitality and longevity in their calling. It's to bring things into order so that they stand over time as what they were created to be. They don't waver and they don't give up. Now, there's a measure of that in us, and it's intended to increase. And so I want to speak for a minute of some that would say, that's the lens through which I see the world, and I want to help you recognize yourself. Now, I need to let you know this. I've got a lot of of statements I'm about to make and pictures to say if you're apostolic, it could look like this. But I need you to know Jesus has never made another you in the history of creation. So what that means is there's no way in the world I can give you a list and say this, and you check and go, I only got three of the 12, so I must not be that. No, it's like facets of a diamond. So every person of the apostolic grace looks different. So all I'm doing today is taking the broad brush stroke from the best we can see walking with people in the Bible to say, typically we see these things are true. It's really important that you don't take this and say, I am this or I'm not this, because again, you know what you are? You're a Christian. This grace is in you and it needs to be equipped higher. 
What are the three marks? The first one is this. Apostolic grace people are builders. They help people and places grow into maturity. You see the Apostle Paul talks, and he says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, we're co-workers in God's service. You're God's field. You're God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. That's an apostolic work of seeing a church or a person established. Now, I want to remind us that through the Bible, it is God who is the equipper and builder. Does everybody understand that? It's not a person. God is the apostle of our faith, but God is the one who has chosen leaders to represent him in what I would call servant equipping. And so let me let this make sense for just a minute. If you want to look at the apostolic grace versus the other four graces, the apostolic grace is like a general practitioner. It looks at health of everything, whereas the other four graces, the prophetic and the evangelistic and so on, are like specialists. The prophetic grace comes and says, hey, I'm not looking at everything in your life, but I'm looking and saying, how well can you hear God? The evangelistic grace is saying, I'm not looking at everything in your life, but what I'm looking at is, do you understand the good news and is it pouring through? The shepherding grace says, I'm not looking at everything in your life, but do you belong to a family? And are you contributing to a family or are you walking alone? The teaching grace says, I'm not looking at everything in your life, but what I want to know is, do you have firm roots? Are you standing on the true gospel? But the apostolic shows up and says, hey, in those other four things, I'm here as a general practitioner. And what I want to look at all the time is the health of your total person. Does that make sense? So the apostolic grace is one that wants to see you built in your marriage, in your life, with your spouse, all of it. Okay? They're builders. The second one you see is this. Apostolic grace people are innovators and pioneers. They find what is lacking in a place and how it can be filled, and they often do so by going first. In Isaiah 43, the prophet's crying out. He says this, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I want to tell you that often it's apostolic leaders that are the first that see the new thing that God wants to put deep in the ground. They can see it. They can see what's lacking. They can see what's missing. And they step in and they say, I'm going to go there first. And when I step there, I'm going to see what the gap is so I see who can come there. The third one is this. Apostolic grace people are senders. For an apostolic grace person, their greatest joy is not to retain people, but to release them so they can run. Acts 1.8 says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. For an apostolic person, they say it's not good enough for us to stay in Judea or Samaria or Jerusalem. We've got to go to the ends of the earth. They don't want to retain people. They want to release them. So I've got to ask this secondary question. What happens in any person's life or in any church if the apostolic grace is lacking? I want to tell you it's two things. If in your life, if people you go, there's nobody in my life doing that. There's nobody that's a Pastor Lynn in my life speaking in the way he spoke in your life. If you say that, or if in a church we say, we don't see that happening, what's going to happen? There's two results. You ready? They're very simple. You're going to burn out or you're going to blow up. It's one of the two. You will burn out or you will blow up. Burning out is the work that we're doing grows slow, sideways, or stagnant. We start getting off course. We start losing heart. Discouragement, fear, and cynicism set in where faith once led, and very simply, we give up. Can we be honest? Do we see a lot right now with Christians who seem angry, who seem distracted, who feels like like love is growing cold? And I'm not talking about in the church, out of the church. I'm just talking about in general. Can we just say that? That's a lack of apostolic grace. It's a lack of perspective for what God is up to. It's a lack of fathers and mothers speaking in truth. 
But on the other side of the equation, listen, if you don't have apostolic grace, you run just as much of a risk for you or for the church of blowing up. And this is what I mean. When the true apostolic grace is not present, leaders lack health in either character or competence, and they stray from their call. Their charisma places them in rooms that their character cannot keep them. I want you to understand this. Do we see this happening today? Do we see people that get chased because of their anointing, because they can sing great, or they can speak great, or they can lead great, but they don't have people around them saying, the health of who you are as an individual, who you are as a son or daughter, is always going to be foundational and far more important than anything you can do as a worker in God's kingdom. It's the apostolic grace that does that. And if it's lacking, we burn out, or we blow up. So I want to give this to us real quickly because I think health is an issue for us that we've got to really step through. And I didn't know a better place to share it than in apostolic grace. I'm going to apply it to the church, but this applies to all of your life. I want to give four C's for walking in health. And I want to say in any place in your life that you see dysfunction, that you see drama, or you see division. Would anybody like to be done with those three Ds? Dysfunction, drama, and division. I want to tell you in any place in your life, in your marriage, with your kids, in your job, with your health, Any place you see dysfunction, division, or drama, more than likely it's one of these four C's that is lacking. So here they are. Number one is character. That's who you are when nobody else is looking. We've been called to be tested through the fire and to be refined. And that God tells us to not despise the discipline of a father. i got to tell you, there's a lot of people right now that every time God speaks something that sounds like correction, they say that it's toxic. And I want to tell you that's an orphan spirit. A father who loves you corrects you. We need holy correction in the church. The second C is competence. Possessing the needed skills, ability, and knowledge to do something well. I've watched for far too long, and I'm not going to rant on this long today because it won't be nice, but I've watched for far too long in Christian circles us lift up people for character when they don't have competence, and then we just continue to be patient, and we go, well, they just love Jesus. They're just a really nice person. It's like they're terrible at their job. I'm, I'm sorry. Can I say it? There are places where we get where even people will lift up and they'll say Christian art. And listen, I love Christians that are artists. I'm a Christian that is an artist. I love that. I believe all creation is screaming glory, but there's been this, this realm made of Christian art that becomes a laughingstock for much of the world because as soon as somebody stands up and says, I love Jesus, we're like, we don't really care if you're good at art. As long as the message is good, we'll put it out. That's a problem with competence, and it doesn't look like the glory of Christ. If we're going to be healthy, we'd have to not just be strong in character. We have to be competent at the thing that we're saying. Otherwise, we're delusional, and we're inviting people into a delusion called faith. That wasn't in my message, but that was dang good. (laughs) The third C of our health is connection. I don't want us to miss this. It's intimacy with others. It's not just me and Jesus. It's relational maturity. I've watched lots of Lone Rangers for Jesus that, man, they have all the character you can imagine, and they are incredibly competent, but socially they walk as a Lone Ranger and completely alone because they've been hurt and relationships got too hard, and they're doing their own thing. And I want to remind you that all the promises of the New Testament are written to the church, not to individuals. The last one is this, maybe the most important for today's, especially I want to say 30 and under generation. If I could take just a second and say to you, this one is the most important one you need to circle because there are changes that take place in generations and your generation largely, I'm going broad brush stroke here, okay? But your generation largely is one that is very optimistic for change and very untrusting of the leaders who have gone before you. 
And so then what happens is you get groups of people who say, I'm just going to get with my friends, and we're going to figure it out together. And there's times where you look and go, here's this guy that's been 20 plus years here, and you're like, well, I'm just not going to respect you any different than that. I don't find that in this building, praise God. But I find that a lot of places. And what ends up happening is if you want to go look at the story of Rehoboam, Solomon's son, you can see what will actually happen when we only run around and listen to our friends. So if you want to actually walk in health, you have to have a constant pursuit of coaching and covering. That you make a decision to be a lifelong student eager to be led and to be shaped without suspicion or offense. And listen, I haven't arrived anywhere, but I want to tell you one thing that I've held since the very beginning of my ministry. I believe a four-year-old can come and teach me anything about the kingdom of God, and I mean that not tongue-in-cheek. If the kingdom of God belongs to children, then we need to actually start listening to children and listen for the glory that's coming out and stop writing it off. So my years as a youth pastor, what it did was it showed a lot for me to look for glory everywhere because sometimes I would watch a 13-year-old pick his nose, flick it at somebody, and then speak the truth of God in a profound way. And I'm like, God can do anything. (laughs) So I want to tell you we've got to be open to coaching. So in your life, if you want to go forward, I want to say this. If you say, I want to be a leader at Overflow Church, I want to let you know right out the gate, those four things are what we're looking at. I will not ask for any pastor to put you in leadership if I do not see a growing trajectory of all four of those. You could be the most competent, most connected, high character, but you think you know it all, I will not put you in position because it'll crash. You need apostolic covering. That's what it brings. We need all four of these. Amen? Yay. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Question number two. How do I know if apostolic grace is my primary grace function right now? So how do you know if that's you? I want to encourage you guys through this whole series. We've got a five-fold test on our website, myoverflowchurch.com. You can go on and take this test. It's not perfect, but it'll help direct you in some ways. But we said in addition to that, there's five ways you can know if something is a primary grace function in your life. One would be passion. If I've started talking in the last minutes, everything I said Pastor Lynn did, and all these things I'm saying for health, you're lighting up within you, that's a pretty good indicator. The second one is burden. When you look at what's broken in the world around us, and you say, you know what, if that could get fixed... And you're going, right now, man, everything he just said to the younger generation, that, yes, if we could get in the place where we could actually walk in health, it's a good indicator. The third one is a recognized strength. If you find somebody who shows up and says, I'm an apostle or I walk in apostolic grace and no one is following them, run. (laughs) A recognized strength. Do people actually come to you to be built in health? Do they come to you as a sort of life coach to say, you see things? Is there fruit in your life of this? The next one that we see is a need. Do you see right now, maybe you're like, I'm not good at it, but man, the places I'm at are dysfunctional and divided and dramatic, and somebody needs to come in and bring some health. Anybody there? Guess what? If you don't see it on the horizon, tag, you're it. It's you, because Christ in you is the hope of glory, and this grace is in you. So sometimes God will raise up a grace in you, even though you've never had a strength. Can I tell you something? Many people will walk up to me and say, oh, Pastor Chuck, you're an apostle and a teacher. You know that's actually not true. You know what I am? I'm a teacher. Just a teacher. But I've been walking strongly the last four and a half years in apostolic grace. Why? Because if you're going to start a brand new church from one that was very healthy, that was previously led by an apostle, you're going to need to grow in apostolic grace and figure out how health and order comes, which means you might see me three years from now and be like, oh my gosh, Pastor Chuck, he's a prophet and a teacher, and it won't be. No, he's just a teacher who's real strong in the prophetic because that's the need right now. The last one you're going to see is this, is health. I want to say if you're looking right now and you're like, I can see all those things. But man, I'm so angry because nobody trusts me and I never go anywhere. I'm going to say, are you healthy? Are you operating like an autoimmune disease that's hurting the body? If you want to know if you're healthy, go back to those four C's and ask, how am I doing? No condemnation, only invitation. How do you know you're strong 
and apostolic grace. Okay, I'm going to give you a quick checklist here. Where to go down? Again, these might not all get you, but it'll give you some of a broad brush picture. If you're strong in apostolic grace, some of these things are probably true for you. Number one, you build people in both integrity and influence, and you have a track record of sending them to thrive in both. Meaning, you can look at people in your life and go, they're changed because I was there. Number two, you have a sense to see potential in people before they see it in themselves. Regularly, you see something and you speak it out. Number three, you aren't motivated by a title or recognition, but you take your satisfaction in things working as they were intended to. When it's healthy, you're happy. You don't need your name on a plaque anywhere. Let's just get healthy. Number four, you don't do everything yourself. This is a key one I want to stop on for just a minute. Because otherwise, you could just be a motivated leader who likes doing things. If you're apostolic, you don't do everything yourself. You put people to work not merely delegating, but elevating their full potential. Number five, you carry great influence, and you are sought to help people or organizations grow. Number six, you regularly see the next step needed for somebody, including the roadblocks or the accelerators to reaching their goal. You see the things that would hold them back, and you see the things that would speed them up, and you're typically right. Number seven, you don't like fads or shortcuts, but you greatly prefer doing the fundamental things well with consistency over time. Why? Because you care about health. Most fads, we know this from diets, right? Most fads are not healthy at all. They just get quick results and then they crash. True apostolic people care about health. And number eight, you love input from contributors, but you don't make space for complainers. You are not intimidated by people disagreeing with you. You simply want the team to win. Okay, we starting to get a little bit of a picture? All right, just real quick. I, I want to just take a quick picture. Who would say they think they're fairly strong in the apostolic grace here in the room? Just lift your hand. I see some hands coming up. Sweet. Okay, so you people, I want to speak to directly right now. Because the third question I think is the most important. And it's what are the misuses and abuses of apostolic grace? What happens when it goes wrong? I want to give four warnings to any person who operates strong and apostolic grace. Warning number one is bulldozing or a poor bedside manner. For apostolic people, because you can see health and you can see barriers, there can be a tendency for you to think that you're right or that you see the whole picture. There could be a lot of holy assumption. You can go into rooms and ready, fire, aim, and you think you're right because you see a piece of it. Beyond that, because you're confident and you're passionate, you can be intimidating, and you can step on people without knowing it. Further than that, because you're so focused on a good goal, you can fail to treat people good along the way. Apostolic leaders have to watch out for ends justify the means, or just saying it like it is leadership that lacks sensitivity, patience, and humility. So I want to say if you're an apostolic leader, we must pursue the heart of the people we lead above the places we want to lead them. Let me say it to you this way. If you place progress before people, you will carry a vision that breeds division. And if you aren't careful, you will find the floors of the cathedrals you've built stained with the blood of those you stepped on along the way. If you place progress before people, you will carry a vision that breeds division. And if you aren't careful you will find the floors of the cathedrals you've built stained with the blood of those you've stepped on along the way. See, this is the picture of toxic leadership, of ego, of narcissism carrying itself on 
is holiness. It's behind every abuse to power. I want to say, if you're an apostolic leader, you're going to walk in places and be recognized for your leadership. So if you're going to be recognized for your leadership, take your cue from Jesus. Jesus says the higher you go in leadership, the more you're the first one to die. Husbands, love your lives and do what? Lay down your lives for them. Greater love is no man than this, than what? He laid down his life for his friends. I want to say this. The higher you go in leadership, the more you are the first one to die. I can remember when we were going to Nigeria for the first time uh, several years ago, just before the pandemic, and the regions that we were going to in the tribes were known to have infighting and killing within the tribes, very savage places. And some of them had not seen um, a, a woman, a white woman, in the lifetime of everybody that existed in the tribe. And so the four of us, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Mickey, by the way, Pastor Aaron and Mickey are watching and joining us from South Africa. Turn around and say, hey, real quick. There they are. We love you. We love the work that is going on. That is amazing. Run, friends. So as they're going, living on mission, Pastor Aaron and Mickey and Jill and I, we're going together to Nigeria, and we asked Wilson a question. We said, is it safe? And his answer surprised me from an American context because he said this, oh, yes, you would be the last one they would kill. They have to kill all of us before they can get to you. Like, for an American, I'm like, then it's not safe. Like, like, uh, I meant, like, are they going to be nice to us? Is there a turndown service at the hotel? I mean, that's, they're going to kill us last. What? But you know what I loved about that? He absolutely meant it. See, that's apostolic leadership. I got to tell you, my apostolic father, the reason that we've walked, and listen, Lynn, Lynn and I could tell you, we have different ways that we see the world. We have known at, at times to clash on our thoughts, but the reason that I would follow that man to my very death and grave is because I've watched him over and over and over and over and over and over and over again lay down his life for me. Apostolic fathers lay down their life for their sons and daughters. There is no room for bulldozing being called and masquerading as apostolic. I will go a little further and say this. If you're an apostolic leader, you've got to weigh your words very carefully and your demeanor of how you carry yourself because there's a weight that it carries. I would say you're going to be able to speak hard truth in a way people can receive it. And here's a picture. If you want a picture of what an apostolic leader is, an apostolic leader is a midwife who helps give birth to a dream and vision and then simultaneously a mother who will stay and help raise the child. That's an apostolic leader that's going to stay with you. You've got to develop thick skin and a tender heart. If you're an apostolic leader, you're going to deal with a lot of drama and immaturity and offense. But apostles and apostolic leaders are not easily offended. They find their security before God, and they're praised about the way they make peace between men. The first warning I'll give you is make sure you don't bulldoze. The second warning, I'll go to the opposite side of, of the spectrum here, is compassion fatigue. If you're an apostolic leader... You see potential everywhere. Every day you get up, you see places that you can help. You see things that are broken. And you know, if they do that one thing, if they change that one thing, this would accelerate. You see it everywhere. Am I right? Apostolic leaders, is that true? Every place you look, you're like, I just see where I can help. And here's what happens. For too many apostolic leaders, we stop asking and discerning where to say yes. And we stop Sabbathing and we stop resting and we don't even recognize that it's a form of pride. Because we show up and say, but they need me. But they need me. They need me. They need me. 
Can I say something in love as the lead pastor of Overflow Church? You don't need me. Jesus, we need you. I'm invited here. Praise God. I'm thrilled to be invited to the table. And at the table, I'm going to do everything I can. But you don't need me. Jesus, we need you. And if you're an apostolic leader, you need to stop saying people need you. You did not die on a cross for them. They don't need you. They need him. And you can only be there for them to the extent that you're a conduit who's listening. So if he hasn't sent you and he hasn't invited you, you're in the way. So apostolic people, you desperately need some prophetic friends. Not pathetic, prophetic friends. You need friends that are regularly listening to say, is this an invitation that God has called me into? That's what Paul prayed in Colossians. He said, please pray that doors would be open and I would know which doors to, op- to walk through in Colossians 4. Third warning I want to give is this. Apostolic leaders, I want to give a warning of a, lo- a lack of longevity or follow through. Apostolic leaders are usually entrepreneurial. They're self-starters, meaning you can see visions and ideas and dreams. But here's the deal. How many of you have ever tried to start a new business? Any, any business owners, business starters? Raise your hand real high. You guys need to applaud these people big. Because here's the deal. I've met lots of people who have started writing a book. And I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. But starting writing a book is a very different thing than finishing a book. And finishing a book is very different than going through everybody's opinion about your book and then deciding to ever do it again. There's a, there's a big difference between thinking you've got the pitch that's going to go on Shark Tank and just kill it and leading a successful business. Apostolic leaders are entrepreneurial, but there's this idea right now that just because you have an entrepreneurial idea, because you have these great ideas of how to start things, that means you're apostolic. I want to actually tell you you're not apostolic until you've finished something and you've fathered something. See, for apostolic leaders, they see the harvest is plentiful everywhere, but you need to guard against seeing a lack of fruit and thinking that means that God just wants you to go to another field. I've watched a lot of people be apostolic, and they start building, 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 and they say this, they don't want it, they don't desire it, and they just run somewhere else. And so they have a million ideas, but no fruit. The Apostle Paul said this, he said, you've had many teachers and many mentors, you've had many consultants, but you haven't had many fathers. Do you know why? I can tell you having five and being a foster dad to a bunch of others, because fathering is hard. Why did the church not have many fathers? Because it's easy to come in the room and be a consultant. Come on, y'all. Parents in the room, how easy is it for your kids to backseat drive? (laughs) How easy? Right? How easy is it to have an opinion about how the country's being run? (laughs) Somebody needs to go home and change your Facebook status. (laughs) It's easy to consult. It's difficult to father. And I want to say this. If you want to know what it means to be an apostolic father, an apostolic mother, it means that you're going to stay in the mud and you're going to stay in the mess for as long as it takes for the thing that Jesus said he wanted to build to come out of the ground. Don't lose, follow through. The final warning I'll give you is this, and then we're going to land this plane. Final warning for apostolic leaders. Real quick, one more time, apostolic leaders, raise your hand, wave them at me. Wave your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. Wave them like you do care. I always wondered what that would look like. Thank you. Hi, good to see you too. Last warning I want to give you is this. It's missing the launch point. Missing the launch point. If you're an apostolic leader, we have to watch out for two equal disasters with developing leaders because they leave a wake of broken dreams. 
One is sending a leader too soon, and one is holding a leader too long. Okay, sending a leader too soon is when you've been too idealistic. You see them, you see the gifts, you see the dreams, and you're like, go fly, and it's no different than you going up as a master parachuter, going up and getting 150 feet off the ground and pushing them out. There's not enough time for the chute to open. It's just a dead body on the ground. The other picture, though, is the leader that so doesn't want this person they love to fall that they hold on to them and they coddle them and they keep them close and they don't let them take risks. And that would be the equivalent of the entire flight coming by and the whole time they're talking about it and that person looking out the window and then them landing on the other side and he says, are you feeling about ready to get out? And while the first person is dead, the second one is paralyzed forever because they've never known what it's like to feel the wind on their face. They were never invited to jump. If you're an apostolic leader, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit and his voice to show you, I'm going to build people, but I'm not going to send them before they're ready. And when they're ready, I'm not going to hold them because I'm not their savior. Somebody hear me, okay? If you're an apostolic leader and you're just so excited because you want to see fruit, put the son or daughter before the fruit. Do not launch them before it's time. Amen? Let me say the other side. If you're an apostolic leader and you're like, oh, but I don't want them to fall. I don't want them to fall. You're not their savior. You're not their savior. You didn't call them. You didn't create them. You get to care for them in this moment. Pay very close attention and be willing to trust the Holy Spirit when he says, it's time to launch. Okay, so how do we equip it? If that's you, I saw some hands come up. I love that. In just a minute, we're going to have you come up and pray. I want to answer the question, how is it being equipped and multiplied at Overflow? If you remember, we have this five-fold leadership. We'll pull up the chart real quick where you can see it. You've heard me mention his name many times today that our apostolic five-fold leader is Pastor Lynn. So Pastor Lynn is the leader of our apostolic ministry. And the way that he walks in that apostolic ministry is a few things. We as a church are a corporate body. When do we meet as a corporate body? Right here. Yeah, that's good. Okay. We have support ministries and we have missional communities. For us as a corporate body, I want you to know where the apostolic is happening all around you. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. Some of you already know. You can predict it. He's going to say, close your eyes. And put your hand on your heart. I already know he's going to say it. Why is he doing that? Because I'm grounding you that this is your decision, and your father who has you is going to speak directly to you. Did you know every Sunday we do that, that's an apostolic moment? Because what we're doing is looking at all these things that we've learned, or that we've declared, or that we've talked about, and we're moving them from our head to our heart to our feet. That's apostolic. We're moving you into the place where there's health. So you're seeing that every week. Every time you put feet on the faith, it is apostolic. Beyond that, did you know that twice a month we send Pastor Lynn out from this body. Twice a month, if you don't see him, he's not sleeping in and skipping church, y'all. He's actually being sent out from this body to do the same thing that he's done for me for years. I say, I'm your pastor, he's my pastor. Did you know he's the pastor of many pastors in this city? And he goes to the churches of this region. It's amazing. It's amazing. I want to say this right now without going any, any further than this. I want to tell you there are churches right now, many of them, that have their doors open and not closed, that have their pastors' heads up and not down, that have pastors and members and staffs together walking in freedom and not resentment because God sent a spiritual father called Pastor Lynn in, and we, Overflow Church, are part of the apostolic work of sending him out. And so you'll hear him come back, and he'll talk about some of what God is doing there. You'll hear periodically... Pastor Lynn will come and preach, and you'll notice every time Lynn preaches, he's going to preach a how-to message. Why? Because he's an apostle. He wants to get it right to your feet. And if you've ever had the opportunity for Pastor Lynn to pray for you, hold on. Because Pastor Lynn's going to hear from heaven, and he's expecting God to show up. Anybody ever had Pastor Lynn pray for you, and you're like, oh my goodness, something happened. That's what happens when an apostolic father comes in the room. So you need to know 
the faith that you're getting from somebody matters. That's who he is as an apostolic father. As far as the support ministries we have as a church, we have three of them right now in the apostolic. One is the restoration ministry. Told you how he led me through that. Pastor Lynn and Robin have actually started a restoration ministry, and he's in the process right now of going around to every missional community and helping equip them so that you will know how to minister restoration to one another. In addition to that, we're building right now a security ministry for us as a church to keep everybody secure as we're together on our uh, property. And then Pastor Lynn is joining me in um, helping with the finance team alongside Charlotte, who leads that to make sure that all of our finances are in health. And I want to tell you the reason that our finances are the way they are today, that we are not in debt. God has honored the spiritual father who has built the system and guarded it. The final one is this. How do we build the apostolic? We ask every person who's a part of this church to do three things. If you're a part of our church, we ask you to come on Sunday mornings. That's a novel idea. We ask you to join a missional community, and we ask you to find your gifts somewhere and to serve. I want to say this in love just before we come to pray. If you're not doing these three things and you say, I don't feel at home at Overflow, I'm not surprised. And I say that with a lot of love. If you say, I don't feel at home, but I'm not really coming on Sunday. I'm not in a missional community. I'm not really serving anywhere. I don't feel at home. I'd be like, that would be like driving your car and saying, hey, I just bought this new Toyota and it doesn't run right. I don't, I don't put in gas or oil or ever take it to the mechanic, but stupid Toyota. Is that fair? Can I just say that in love? So in the same way, I want to tell you, when we say that we as a church have these three, it's because we believe these three are absolutely foundational for us to thrive. So I'm going to tell you that we need to belong to missional communities together. And in those missional communities, Pastor Lynn has come as a lead over our missional community's apostolic grace. I want you to take a look real quick at this video where he talks to our apostolic leaders. If you raised your hand, he's talking to you. And then I'm going to have you stand and we're going to pray. Take a look at this video. Two words, build and send. Two are going to build the health and sustainability of your missional community. And you're going to do that in three ways. First of all, you're going to take attendance. You're going to download the Church Center app and take attendance for each of your meetings. Jesus told a parable of a good shepherd who counted his sheep every day. And one day, he counted 99. There was one missing. So what he did was, he left the 99 with a good shepherd who would nurture and protect them, and then he went after the one. So we count people because people count. We need to know that the one is missing. Second, you need to encourage your missional community to meet regularly. What does that mean? Every week. So three times in a month, your missional community is to have a normal meeting uh, in someone's home. And so the church met house to house. On the fourth week of that month, you're to have some type of outreach fellowship event or you're to go on mission because you are a missional community. And the third way that you are going to build your missional community is to help the missional community members identify their fivefold grace. 
so that those who are apostolic leaders, they will come into the missional community ready to build and to send the other members in the group. If they are prophetic, they're going to come into the missional community meeting ready to hear from God and then to declare what God is saying to encourage, comfort, and strengthen the other members in the group. If the person has an evangelistic grace on them, they're going to gather and bring people into the missional community, but also they're going to ignite the other members to be gatherers as well. And for those that have the shepherding uh, grace gift, they're going to be nurturing and protecting the members in the group. And then finally, those with the teaching grace, they're going to be aligning the group with the word of God and then activating the word of God in their group. So it's essential uh, that you are encouraging and building the fivefold graces into the group. So that's what you do and build. You're also to send. The word apostle actually means one who is sent. So if you're to be apostolic, you are one who is sending. The way you do that is you need to encourage your missional community to be looking outward so that the group is always praying about the importance of growing, bringing people in, so that at some point in time, they will be ready to multiply. You're also to be encouraging your group to be sending out missional community leaders, fivefold grace leaders to lead ministries here at Overflow Church or in other places. So as you're building them up, you're also sending them out. So to summarize, three questions. First of all, are we healthy? Is our group operating in a healthy manner? And that's why you need to take attendance, make sure that the group is meeting regularly, and that the fivefold graces are operating for each member. Who are we building up? Are we building up fivefold grace leaders in this group? Do I see, am I observing the fivefold grace leaders operating in my missional community, or is it just one leader leading the whole thing? And then the third question is, are there any hindrances, any barriers that are standing in the way from keeping us from growing and being healthy? So God bless you, apostolic leaders. Holy Spirit, empower your apostolic leaders with your grace and your strength as they serve you and as they serve their missional community. All right. So I got to ask this question. Will you as a body choose to receive from your apostolic lead, our senior pastor, Pastor Len, if you do say yes. yes. Now I want to ask beyond that, and listen, I want to set this up well. A few weeks ago, we got to celebrate uh, the resting place in their five years, and that's a big deal. I think when heaven screams and shouts, we should scream and shout. I think that's the way it should look. I hope as you heard the story of where Pastor Len has been and just a little sliver of it here at this place and what he's been building, as well as what he's been building in your life, that something has risen up in you that looks a whole lot like properly honoring a son who has given himself for the church. So I'm going to ask you, I want you, before you stand, he's sitting right back here, okay? He loves attention being on him right now, so he and I will have a meeting where he'll stare at me later. I'm going to ask if you would stand with me, can we honor the Lord for Pastor Len?
Now I'm going to ask Pastor Lynn, you can stay standing. I'm going to ask Pastor Lynn to come this way. And I want you to know I wanted to do that for two reasons as you stay standing. One is I believe he deserved honor. And two, Pastor Lynn, that's payback for all the times you've made me uncomfortable. So this is what I'm going to ask right now. I'm going to ask, would you close your eyes with me, lay your hand on your heart? We want to take the word of God from our head to our heart to our feet. And I've asked Pastor Lynn to be right up here up front because he's going to receive and pray over some of you in just a moment. I'm going to ask right now with your hand on your heart, I'm going to ask everybody in the room a few questions. The first is this, do you desire deeply to walk in health? Do you desire to not have drama or division or dysfunction follow you in your life, your health, your family? Are you at the place where you don't want to walk as a victim? Do you desire health? Would you just tell him with your hand on your heart, oh, Jesus, I want to be healthy. Jesus, I want to be healthy. And I receive the gift of your apostolic grace to me. I receive the gift because I want to tell you, I'm going to ask you in a minute to come and Pastor Lynn's going to lay hands on you, but he'll be the first to tell you, you don't need him. You need the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has already put this grace in you. Holy Spirit, I receive the grace to walk in health. Somebody right now with your hand on your heart, you need to receive that for your marriage. Somebody right now, you need to receive that for your relationship with your children. You need to receive that in your workplace. You've been complaining. And God says, receive the grace in you. Rise up, man or woman of God. Know what I've poured in you. God, I receive the apostolic grace you've given me. The second question I want to ask with your hand on your heart, it's very simple. Will you choose to put yourself in environments where you can be healthy and grow? For the sake of overflow, I'm going to say this unapologetically. If this is your church home, we need you and you need us. And the lowest common denominator is we've got to come together on Sundays and worship. And I understand I'm preaching at the choir right now. But we've got to keep it a priority when it's so easy to say, oh, but it's nice outside and the beach and everything else. There's no other moment we can come together as a family. If we're going to be healthy, we've got to see each other face to face and not just share a video midweek. The second one, if we're going to be healthy, you can't just be a face in the crowd. You can't just hide in the shadows. There's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You belong to a family. At Overflow, we call those missional communities. And they're not perfect, but they're moving and we're watching fruit. And we're going to get more fruit for you and for us if you jump in. For somebody, you need a missional community. Third one, I'm just going to say this with your hand on your heart. For some, all of your life feels like drama. And I'm going to challenge you to do something that feels like the most backwards thing I could tell you. Because you're thinking, once I get healthy, then I'll give. Or once I get healthy, then I'll serve. And I want to tell you that's not the way the kingdom of God works. See, God often calls us into health by having us not walk in any way anymore as the victim, but to say, in my brokenness right now, I'm going to get up and I'm going to serve. And in my brokenness, I'm going to get up and I'm going to give and I'm going to stop waiting. So I'm going to say for somebody hearing my voice right now, God is saying to you, and I'm not talking about the time where you've served and served and served, and he's saying, come and rest. There's a time for furlough and rest and restoration. But for somebody right now hearing my voice, you've got a gift that's burning in you and we will never be us until you're you. You need to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to put myself in the environment. So would you right now, hand on your heart, if God's saying to you, you need to make Sundays a priority, would you tell him, okay, Lord, 
You need to join a missional community. Okay, Lord. Here's the gift in you and you got to stop hiding. Okay, Lord. Father, I ask that you would release apostolic grace. That's the first part of my charge, but the second is this, and this is where it gets really important. I ask for some hands to raise, or maybe since we've talked about it more, you recognize either in a gifting or a passion or a burden or a need that apostolic grace needs to multiply in your life right now. What I've asked is for Pastor Lynn to be present here, and in just a minute, I'm going to ask if you feel a strong operating or a strong urging to grow in apostolic grace, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat. And I'm going to ask you to come line up here at the altar facing Pastor Lynn. So facing me, I'm going to ask you in one line. And he's going to come down and just agree with heaven that whatever the Lord is wanting to release in your life today, that he would do it. So I'm going to ask right now, if that's you, would you step out from your seat? If God has said that apostolic grace is something you carry and it needs to multiply, it needs greater courage, greater strength, it needs wind blowing in your sails again, would you step out from your seat? And I'm going to ask that you would face me those of you coming, you'd face me so that Pastor Lynn's going to come and pray for you. You just come and line up and face me and just leave enough room that Pastor Lynn could come by and pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask if you're a missional community leader in the room and you see somebody in your missional community leader coming down, can you just come behind them and lay a hand on them? Can you just come and pray in agreement? Even now, Pastor Lynn's just going to start praying. I'm going to ask those of you up front, would you just open your hands in a place just to receive? Father, I come not to figure it out. I come just to receive. Just come to receive from you. Just come to receive from you. Just come to receive from you. I'm going to ask everybody else in this moment, would you begin just to pray for your friends? These you see forward, would you just let the Lord put somebody in your heart and just pray that the Lord would release it fully in their life? While we're doing that, I want to say, in this last minute as I've been preaching, this thing happened that sometimes happens, and so I'm going to take a risk right now, and this may be the Lord, and I don't want to miss it if it is, and I'm willing to be wrong. But I've had a pain right here, so I'm going to point to where it is so you can see a pain right here that is just lit up in me. And so I'm just going to ask if there is somebody that something around this area, whether it's arm, shoulder, something here, is needing healing. I'm going to ask if that's you, if you'd come and join me on the platform. Because I want to pray for you. If something here is lit up, something here is hurting, I'm just going to ask that you would come and pray. Come and join me on the platform. We're going to pray for you. Jesus, move. Let's continue just to pray. Thank you, Lord. As we continue to pray, this is my dear friend and our Deacon Wayne. In this place, exactly that I said is exactly what's hurting on him. We're just going to take a time and pray for him. I'm going to ask right now, congregation, if you are not being prayed for, pray for one of these here or extend your hands and let's pray for Wayne right now. Father, would you come and move? Father, I'm asking, even as this pain is subsiding in my body, let it subside for Wayne now.
So I got to tell you who my God is. Wayne has been feeling this pain at exactly the place. I asked him, I said, where are you hurting? He said, exactly where you just pointed. He's been feeling this pain for a year. He came up here. My dear friend Michael had a word for him, prayed, and he said that thing that I've been feeling for a year just completely released. So listen to me. In, in just a minute, Pastor Lynn's going to come and close our service. If you're still being prayed for, you be prayed for. He's going to come close our service in just a minute. This is what I'm going to ask, and I need to say this clearly so you understand what we're doing and what we're not doing. Typically, we would not do a moment like this right up in front of everybody because Wayne is a brother and not a guinea pig. Okay? But right now, you can see we don't have any other space, so I'm, I'm simply going to ask this. If you are having a place right now, because I just feel the Lord prompting, that something is hurting in your body and needing healing, I'm just going to ask right down here. We have some space in this front corner. I don't want to embarrass you in any way, but I'm going to ask for Wayne and Michael to come down on this side, and we're going to be ready to receive you and just pray for healing in the same way that Wayne just received it. If you need healing for anything today, I'm going to ask that you come. And in just a minute, Pastor Lynn is going to come down. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're asking right now for the fullness of the grace that you want to release for each son and each daughter. We're agreeing right now, Lord, for each of these to walk fully in the health that you have given them. Father, may they walk fully in health. Move, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 